The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Astrology reveals insights into the greater world, its changing cycles, and universal forces. Through the lens of astrology, we examine special topics and current events, investigate their meaning, and discuss solutions to personal and global problems. Welcome to Astrology, the Theory of Everything, with Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. We're here to show you how astrology can be a powerful tool for self-awareness and transformation. You'll be amazed how everything is interconnected when using astrology. Now, here are your hosts, Mary Jo and Janie. Welcome, everybody. I'm Janie McCarthy, and I'm here today with my co-host, Mary Jo Weavers, and a guest from Melbourne, Australia, Jessica Adams. Jessica is a sun sign astrologer, author, columnist, and we're thrilled to have her join us today. Hi, Mary Jo. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Janie. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. Oh, it's our pleasure. And I wanted to mention for those listeners that this show is being pre-recorded because of time change, and also that we're thrilled that Jessica is our first Sun Sign Leo guest. Um, we've started yeah. a format now for the signs every month, and Jessica's our first guest to initiate that new format. So that's terrific. And you might also, uh, at least I have been getting a feeling that the level of Jessica's popularity in the United Kingdom and Australia and also the United States rivals Linda Goodman, who is a name that Americans are very familiar with. So we're thrilled to have you with us today. So, Jessica, why don't you share with us exactly what sun sign or star sign astrology is all about? Okay, well, thank you very much also for the, the compliment about Linda Goodman. Now, there's absolutely no way that I'm in the late Linda Goodman's league, but it's very kind of you to say so. Uh, so sun sign astrology has really been uh, popular in the media since the 1930s when it was first tried out in the British press and around the same time in American uh, astrology magazines. And it has evolved a great deal. As you would hope, astrology always evolves. So we're now a very long way from when it just used to be a blanket description of what you're supposed to be like, your characteristics and general kind of predictions. You will meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger and all the rest of it. So we're now at a phase with sun sign astrology where we're back to real astrology and we're talking about the sun as the essence of what makes you shine or radiate, what makes you well noticed, stand out where the spotlight is on you. So some of the, the sunshine astrology that I see around on the internet is hopelessly wrong, I have to say, because it's still stuck in that way of thinking about sun signs as if it describes what you're good at and what you like. 
whereas it's nothing of the kind. All the sunshine will do is, is shine a light on what makes you recognised and what you have to work with to try to get recognised. Um, as a prediction tool, what I always say to astrologers is it's just, just another house system. So whatever house system you're used to working with, this is another one. And they call it the sun sign or solar house system. And it works incredibly well. Um, I use it all the time, myself, my family, my friends, clients. I use it in conjunction with other house systems for natal chart work. If you're curious about it, you really just uh, draw yourself a wheel and put your sun sign on the cusp of the first house, use whole sign houses, and count round the wheel. And sooner or later, you're going to find what every generation of sun sign astrologers has found, is that it's an amazingly accurate diagnostic tool. And I hope that kind of sums it up. Interesting. And um, Jessica, on a previous show, we were talking with our list, to our listeners a little bit about the history of astrology. And I was interested to learn that historically, Charts or horoscopes were not cast for people. Uh, they were cast for countries or events such as uh, the best time to go to war or only for important people such as kings and queens. And so could, could you tell us a little bit about that, you know, the history of that and when and how sun sign astrology became available to the masses? Yes, it did used to historically be something that only a very rich person or a royal person would have used. And this goes right back to the days of William Lilly, the astrologer practicing in the 1600s in London. And Lilly was working just off the Strand. There's now a plaque, actually, um, which I helped donate to, along with other astrologers commemorating him and where he worked in, in the centre of London. But he was working during the, the Civil War and he was catering for the great and good on both sides. And in fact, he was so powerful that when the Great Fire of London broke out in 1666, they accused Lily of having started it in order to prove his prediction correct. So he was taken very seriously. He was, of course, cleared of all charges. But that gives you an idea of where Georgie was at in the 1600s. By the time we get to the 1930s, it's really in the hands of the newspapers. And what happened there is that an astrologer called Naylor was asked to fill in for his boss, who was a very famous palmist and astrologer called Cairo, on a story in the Express newspaper. And this story was about the birth of the new baby Princess Margaret and what would happen to her. And it caused such interest. So many letters, sales went up so much that the newspaper proprietor asked Naylor if he could not create some sort of horoscope feature for the public, uh, which would appear in a newspaper. And so they would just turn to this very old technique of using sun signs. And from there, he evolved what would become the sun sign column where you could look up your birth date, your friend's birth date, your partner's birth date, and so on, find out what was going on. So in a way, you could say that the 1930s democratized astrology. It made it for the people, by the people. And today, that technique results in a kind of astrology where we can talk about the headlines of your life, almost as if it was a newspaper report, because every kind of astrology that evolves caters for a particular need or a particular market. So with sunshine astrology, what you will see is an accurate but superficial reading of your situation, as it would appear to people looking at you from the outside, almost as if you were a story. The real story comes from your natal chart, 
which is your interior world. And, of course, you can go and pay an astrologer as people once paid William Lee to have their chart done. But these days, it's not just the province of royalty and the aristocracy because of the computer. We are now able to pull up a chart very quickly, which means that prices have come down. Birth chart reading is more accessible to people. But everything begins and ends now with the sunshine columns of so many people who come to astrology because that's where we grab them first. So people like Susan Miller, Michael Luton and myself working right around the world on the internet are really the first port of call for the public who are curious about astrology but maybe have never had their chart done. Mm-hmm. So the popularity of Sun sign astrology, Jessica. I was reading in your statistics in your article, The Elephant in the Room. Uh, maybe yeah. you could give our listeners some perspective on how truly popular sun sign astrology is. Okay, so just speaking from my own website, which is jessicaadams.com, over the last 12 months, uh, we've received 4 million hits on that particular website. And since we started it, or started tracking it in this way over the last three years, we've had 12 million hits. So that's just one example. And I think I'm barely in the top 20 of worldwide astrology websites. To give you an idea, um, I'm just a baby in this field. So when it comes to um, the global list of sunshine astrologers, the market is in many, many multi-millions. So the interest is there. And what I can say is that it's going up all the time. So astrology is not uh, dwindling in popularity or leveling. It's actually increasing every time that we look. So there is tremendous interest out there. And I think this very ancient form of timekeeping, which is all it is really, is working for people, which is fantastic. Hmm. And so when you say that it works for people, um, what what is it that people are attracted to in sun sign astrology when they read their horoscopes? I think, first of all, it's, it's just that it works so well as a way of gauging the cycles of life. We now live in a, an age when time is very much what you make it. Obviously, time doesn't really exist, but our time as modern people, has been dictated by industry and by business. And we're all told, you know, that there are 24 hours in a day and you have to make them work for you. Everyone's terribly busy and a little bit stressed. We're also told uh, things about the ageing process, you know, we're supposed to retire at a certain age. And all these judgments are passed on time and the way time should work for us. But what astrology does is it pulls you back to a very old form of timekeeping, which may go back you know, all the way to the Babylonians, Mesopotamians. It certainly goes back to Stonehenge, which is about 4,000 years BC. And what we're looking at is a way of gauging the sun and the moon cycles in relation to who we are without passing judgment on do we have enough time or are we the right age for anything. What we're actually doing with sun sign astrology is tuning people in to a much more mysterious and compelling order of timekeeping. So we might be looking at your assassin cycles, we might be looking, uh, for example, at the fact that Saturn is just moving out of Scorpio. Now, for most uh, sceptics or non-believers, that's a completely meaningless statement. But for astrologers, we're talking about a cycle that's very real for people. And the nice thing about knowing that cycle is that we can also tell people when it's going to stop. <laughs> and that's when the pain stops for an awful lot of my readers and for a lot of people around the world who have really been going through it. 
with this Saturn cycle. You have a an app that's called Get the Stars by Get the Gloss. I've downloaded yeah. it onto my phone, um, and I've been yeah. checking my daily, weekly, monthly, and annual horoscope. So you talk about time and the relevance or irrelevance of time. I find this app to be a lot of fun to use. Do you get a lot of activity on it? Yes, it's really popular. It was it was suggested to me by Get the Gloss, which is a, a British cult website, really, an award-winning website that caters for mostly women who are interested in their lifestyle, health, and well-being. They came up with the solution for all these people who wanted something mobile. So we agreed. I mean, I'd always told myself I would get around to doing an app sooner or later, but in the end, Get the Gloss jumped first, so we went with it. Yes, um, and I, I'd like to go back to uh, people using their their horoscopes and ask you a little bit more about that, uh, because horoscopes are so easily available to everyone now with the internet and these wonderful apps, uh, including your own. Um, a lot of people are familiar with their sun sign, but perhaps have no further knowledge or understanding of their complete chart. And I remember reading somewhere that you wrote, sun signs are the gateway to natal charts. Could you please explain that and help our listeners understand how the sun signs can actually draw them deeper into, into their horoscope? Yes, absolutely. So beginning with something like the Saturn in Scorpio cycle, which we've just been discussing Saturn is a timing device in astrology which lets us know that things are about to slow down and become stuck. Um, and this goes all the way back to the image of Saturn that we have from the Romans by the Greeks as being a god who was cursed and then self-sabotaged so that he ate his own children to avoid the curse. This sounds like a relic from another age, and it is. But the symbolism of that is so similar to what's been happening for us economically over the last two years, because Saturn rules anything or anybody that cuts off the flow of life and the natural progression of events, anything that freezes or calcifies or captures in time, something which should be flowing and moving, but instead is slowing right down, almost as if you'd stuck it in the refrigerator and it was freezing. And what we've been experiencing with Saturn in Scorpio, which is the sign ruling finance and big business, is this global financial crisis, which has just resulted in Greece, for example, collapsing, but has affected everybody right around the world. So in terms of interpreting that in a sun sign horoscope, for every single sign of the zodiac, what we've been seeing is one area of your life similarly being frozen or stuck uh, at least for two years, maybe a little bit longer. And if you want to look at the domino effect or the knock-on effect of that, it really begins and ends with what's been happening at Wall Street and at government economic levels right around the world. And the knock-on or domino effect may have been in your personal life. It may have been at work. You may have been laid off or made redundant, had your salary cut and so on and so forth, right around to the price of your, your house or your apartment, all this kind of thing comes from the same pattern affecting your sun sign chart which is also affecting your natal chart. Now, your natal chart or birth chart, we are, of course, talking about the horoscope set 
for the moment that they can't be in biblical court and you became a separate being from your mother. And that chart will very likely show you something in Scorpio. If you were born in the 1960s, for example, you inevitably have Neptune there. Many, many of us have a planet in the sign of Scorpio, which will tell we handle money and how we use our bank. And for that reason, Saturn taking 29 years or so to come back to Scorpio has been freezing or slowing down, holding up a little bit of everybody in their many, many millions, which is a financial being. So when you're looking at the micro and the macro, um, what we've been experiencing is just the impact of this cycle on huge generations of people, all of whom were put here to operate as financial beings. Scorpio types in one way or another. Uh, the good thing is that it's slowly, slowly breaking up, and by the time we get to the middle of September 2015, this cycle will be well and truly over. Hmm. Jessica, the recent article that is on your website called Cosby, Savile, Roth, Rolf, Glitter, and Saturn. You published it yeah. July 8th. Um, I was fascinated by the attention that you give the rights of the child, another Leo theme, the child, and the abuse that goes on around the world. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yes, because Scorpio is the sign to associate with money, as I just mentioned, but also a very particular kind of money. It's associated with sex and money. It's associated with death and money and power and money. So in this respect, it's quite different from Taurus money, which is very straight down the line. Taurus is just about buying and selling and trading and earning money and investing it, whereas Scorpio is more complicated. So the vast majority of us... It is about marriage because marriage is the ultimate expression of power and money, sex and money, and also death and money because, of course, when we marry, we change our inheritance and our will so that we pass on our property to our partner. And that's the most common and pretty innocent form of Scorpio energy. But you can see how easily it could become twisted and what we've been experiencing with cases like the Bill Cosby uh, accusations and allegations and also people like Jimmy Savile and Gary Glitter and all the rest of them who are involved in these scandals, is Saturn coming around 29 years through his cycle, back through this sign, which concerns us with the way power is used financially and also through sex. So what we're seeing is an abuse of power, if you like, and at its worst possible level. And the money side of things comes into it because what we're finding in all these cases, um, some of which are still being fought, some of which have been denied, some of which have resulted in convictions, is that people were paid. So in a way, every 30 years or so, this cycle will come back to us about three decades from now. We have to deal with questions about who is in control of my money via sex. How does the power game work between you and I, you and he, or you and she, when it's expressed through intimacy via our bank accounts? And the last time that we had this cycle, the world had to deal with the reality of AIDS and the HIV virus, which completely changed the way that we saw relationships and marriage. And it completely altered the atmospheres of so many people within a relationship because suddenly the person that you are married to 
or living with, the person who you shared the rent with or the mortgage or the bank account, was also somebody that you had to look at in a totally different way because of this new reality that sex could kill you. And adultery within a relationship or promiscuity outside marriage could actually uh, infect you with the HIV virus. And that changed life insurance for people and it changed the rules of marriage. It changed the rules of the legalities of the relationship and everything else for a generation. So that is an example of what this notorious cycle can do. Amazing. It seems that uh, with, with these macro cycles, whatever was left unresolved 29 years ago surfaces again as we get to the end of that transit. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's as if we're given another opportunity to take a look at it and whatever we have it unresolved, uh, if it's left unresolved, it might come around again in another 29 years, would you say? Yes, certain tends to operate like that. So he will have his way and things which were left uh, or buried under the floorboards tend to come back. They do call this cycle karmic. I mean, all astrology is karmic in nature. But Saturn seems to extract a particularly heavy price if there is some baggage hanging around from the last cycle. So all those people, you know, back in the 80s who thought they might have been getting away with uh, sexual abuse, particularly children, are now discovering that you actually can't get away with it at all. Hmm. Jessica? Is there any particular advice you would give people during these last couple of months that Scorpio will be in the, in, um, that Saturn will be in Scorpio before it goes into Sagittarius to make the most of this last uh, time frame in this important transit? It's a good idea to try and clear the decks, as you, as you might expect. It's a really good idea to find out what you do have in Scorpio in your horoscope. Um, and our generation, generation before and after, commonly will have at least one outer planet there and just get to understand how that's functioned in your life in respect of money, business, property and so on. And then to really look at what you can change and what you just have to accept because one of the things about Saturn is there will always be something beyond your control as well. So in all our cases, this has been a global financial crisis that we did not cause, that has affected us every level of our lives, our friends and family's lives. So in some ways, there's a kind of peacemaking that has to take place, but at every level of detail, if at all possible, try and gain closure and sign off on these situations before the next certain cycle through Sagittarius begins. Right. And then how would you, so that would be on the macro level, what people are seeing externally. And then on the micro level, you would coach or work with your clients one-on-one to take a look at their specific natal charts and look at the energy of Scorpio in it uh, in order to help mm-hmm. them uh, determine what their personal relationship is with that energy and what they might need to finish up. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Especially if you, if you have anything in the later degrees of Scorpio, if you know that you have a horoscope element at, say, 28, 29 degrees of Scorpio, or in fact anything at 28 or 29 in your horoscope, Saturn will be impacting that for the first uh, and final time over the next couple of weeks. Great. Well, Janie, 
Let's go ahead and go to break now, and when we come back, we'll be continuing our conversation with Jessica Adams. If you have questions or comments about today's show, please email them to astrotalkradio at icloud.com. We would love to hear from you. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at www.janiemccarthy.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out her website at www.maryjoweavers.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening to Astrology, the Theory of Everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to astrotalkradio at icloud.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Janie McCarthy. My co-host Mary Jo Weavers is with me and our special guest, Sun Sign Astrologer Jessica Adams. Before we went to break, we had summarized uh, many thoughts about the Saturn in Scorpio transit. And uh, we're getting ready now to shift gears and talk about an article, a very, very interesting article that Jessica has written. Mary Jo, you want to take it from here? Yes. Jessica, you wrote a very compelling article called Sun Sign Astrology, The Elephant in the Room, which was published by the Astrological Association of Great Britain. Can you tell us what prompted you to write that article and summarize it for us? Sure. So what prompted me to write it was that I applied to speak at the Astrological Association conference in England and I was rejected to speak there, uh, and I could not understand it because of this large audience of people who I had. So 
So I thought I might like to come on to the conference. Um, and in actual fact, it wasn't the first time I'd been rejected as a speaker at any conference because I'd also been turned down uh, in America at UAC. And so I sent off this fairly sort of cursory email to one of the organisers and said, what does it take to be allowed to speak about what I do at one of these conferences? You know, is it, is it about numbers? Is it about a college or university qualification? Because I have that. Is it about books? Because I've had those published. Um, and then uh, I was eventually invited to speak. But it did make me think about uh, the prejudice towards sunshine astrology within the theatrological establishment and what a waste that was because I think we've been speaking about it being the gateway to a different kind of birth chart astrology for people. But also it's a business all by itself. And within our profession, it really should be, uh, I think, a valid part of astrology. We train young astrologers to be able to practice it. We keep the standards high um, and we control what's being disseminated in the name of sun sign astrology so that we avoid the other problem that comes, which is that you get a lot of stuff, especially online, which isn't of a very particularly high standard, which gives the public and particularly sceptics a false impression of what sun sign astrology is all about. So mm-hmm. I wrote this story really out of being rejected a couple of times. I was having Uranus in the ninth house transit while this was happening. <laughs> so it wasn't totally unexpected, but from it came this, this question for me about why our profession ignores the elephant in the room, which is this enormously popular um, phenomenon called sun sign astrology. How can you go about your business and ignore a phenomenon like Susan Miller uh, as if it didn't really exist? We should be looking at it and we should be respecting people because the people say they want it. So what are they looking for? How do we serve them? And how do we train people within our profession so that we can encourage people into astrology but also make this particular branch of it a valid way to earn a living? So the the sun sign astrology area... I've read in this same article is uh, referred to as not real or not serious astrology. How do you go about clarifying those misconceptions? Really, the best thing that you can do is to make predictions. So I make a lot of predictions on my website. Um, I use specific dates and times, and I like to be quite detailed about what we think is going to come up. And that's my way of proving a point. I guess within astrology, but also to sceptics as well, that this ancient timekeeping device really does work. It is possible to look at the so-called future and make statements about it. And that raises questions about the nature of reality itself and of time, which I think is important because we live in a world where we're told by so many people, particularly um, at the quantum end of science, that this is reality and that we should accept what we're told reality is. What astrology tells us is the universe follows a very different order altogether and that it's wide open to interpretation. And if astrology is a good way to get leverage in asking that question about what's real, then that's a good thing. So all those predictions on the website are really concerned with asking that question. How is it possible to know what happens before it happens? And understanding that, doesn't it change the way that we perceive our lives and the lives of people around us, isn't time something rather different to what we've been told is. 
And astrologers understand that the sun, ruling the sign of Leo, uh, both have to do with our conscious awareness of what's going on in our outer world. And so to me, it, it makes sense that uh, through sun sign astrology, we have the sun illuminating some of these major events uh, that's going on externally in our macro world. And we use the sun to create our solar calendar. So it, it makes sense uh, that it would also do the same in terms of bringing our awareness and seeing some correspondence with, with what's going on in our world. Absolutely. The sun is, um, is like a spotlight, really. That's what it does. It's like an old Hollywood spotlight or a searchlight you know, during the war in that you flick a switch and suddenly everything is illuminated and everything is exposed for inspection. And therefore, the sun, uh, sun sign astrology, which is much maligned over the years, is actually helping us see things more clearly and giving us that objective distance from ourselves and our lives so that we can step back, really see what's going on, which is a huge uh, privilege and a luxury for us as astrologers and astrology readers to be able to have that insight, that objective standpoint that astrology gives us. Jessica, on a personal basis, has it been difficult you, for you not to feel supported by your own peer group? It is difficult. I mean, I have many, many friends within astrology, so I am friendly with Susan Miller there in New York and Michael Luton there in New York. Uh, and in London and obviously in Australia, I have many, many friends within our profession. But I have found it extremely difficult to tread this road of sunshine astrology, which has been ignored or dismissed by so many of my contemporaries and predecessors. I find it um, annoying on one level because I feel that they should be paying more respect and more attention to this branch of the, the art or the philosophy, call it what you like, and taking it seriously. And instead of maybe making assumptions about it based on something that they read 10 or 20 years ago, <laughs> to get real about what's really happening um, on the internet, which is, of course, the catchment area for astrology fans and readers and to understand that maybe the people are telling them that there is more than just something in this. It's actually a functioning and important part of their lives. I think it's time that respect was paid. That's really my thing at the moment. That's certainly understandable. And I'm wondering uh, why within the Astrology Collective there is a resistance or uh, an unwillingness to acknowledge sun sign astrology. Does it have something to do perhaps with what may have been going on historically in terms of astrologers making predictions? Uh, is, is there there's something that generates some level of uncomfortableness, I'm I'm imagining, that keeps people closed-minded about it? Yeah, I think one of the issues has been it's a little bit of a catch-22 in that astrology on a sun sign level was never taught properly or taken seriously enough by big educational bodies. And so we have no choice, really, within astrology except to turn to people who are not educated with it, who are, uh, in many cases, turning out ill-informed content. So it's it's a little bit uh, circular. What we really need to do is start educating people about how it works and why it works so that the standards come up. What we're getting at the moment is this kind of massive resistance. So, for example, at the last UAC conference in America... What we had is a very small amount of time given over to sun sign astrology, almost as if it was a minor part of the real business of astrology. 
Whereas in actual fact, given the huge numbers which Sunshine Astrology is attracting, it almost deserves its own track. It almost deserves a week of education and discussion. Um, the more it's minimized and the more people dismiss it on the basis of one bad column they read or one uneducated astrologer that they read, uh, the more the problem isn't going to go away. Mm. And and are there universities, colleges that are teaching sunset astrology? How are people learning it? No, they just aren't, and that's one of the problems with it. Uh, people are learning it if they're committed by studying the work of astrologers who have a reputation in that field. So I learned by reading the columns of Patrick Walker, who was maybe the greatest sunshine astrologer of the 20th century. So Patrick was syndicated right around the world. And I would read his daily and his monthly work alongside my ephemeris so I could see what Patrick was talking about and figure out how he was doing it. And it took me maybe two years to even get to basics with that. I would set up predictions, never published, just written down in my journal, for each of the signs to see what would come to pass with celebrities in the media, to see if it was panning out. And that's how I learned, because there was no other way to learn. Um, the other fundamentals of what we do are exactly the same as natal chart work. So learning about the heavenly bodies and learning about aspects, there's nothing changing there. Um, but the specific techniques that you need to use for sun sign astrology are not being taught. One of the reasons I'm going to start teaching, teaching it online in 2016 Oh, excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. Mary Jo, isn't mm-hmm. it amazing? During our show, The History of Astrology, Eric Francis was one of our guests, and he too got started in astrology by reading Patrick Walker's columns and buying an ephemeris and going home and trying to figure out, based on what his predictions mm-hmm. were, how it all worked. I wonder how many astrologers he's recruited, <laughs> passively recruited in history. That's fascinating. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, kudos to you for being self-taught and for taking the time and the, the effort to uh, to learn it. That must have been quite a trial for a few years there. Oh, thank you. It was actually, it was back in the days when I used to smoke, and I think I was smoking maybe 20 cigarettes a day trying to figure out Patrick Walker's astrology. <laughs> So there's um, in your article, The Elephant in the Room, there's a reference to sun sign astrology being born under Neptune. Can you go into that mm. for us? Yes, the original uh, series or column by Naila happened when Neptune was clouding over so much of the, the chart. Of course, everything in astrology has a birth, including sun sign astrology itself. You know, the Empire State Building has a horoscope too. So what we look at is, what is this telling us about the nature of this phenomenon called sun sign astrology? And one of the first things about Neptune is, of course, it distorts vision. It's like being underwater. Nothing's very clear. And the biggest issue, I think, with sun sign astrology is that we have millions of people who are born on the cusp, or what they call the cusp, who are reading the wrong sign because the lack of space within the newspaper or the magazine typically means that we just don't have time to go into the reasons why you may be one sign or another based on longitude, latitude, clock time of birth. So in a way, that Neptunian start for what we do is being reflected in the fact that there are huge numbers of people still getting their sun sign wrong. Mm. 
I'm looking at that chart right now, Jessica, and, and what you're referring to is a conjunction of the sun, the moon, and Neptune, all in Virgo, mm. in the early degrees of Virgo. And mm. uh, f- for you astrologers out there, that that might uh, mean something a little bit more to some of our other readers. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yes, it makes perfect sense that the sun and moon would be together at the birth of something new, because, of course, the sun symbolizes the father, the moon symbolizes the mother. So what we have here is the conception of the modern astrology column. But when we talk about a, a conjunction to Neptune, what we mean is that these three elements in the horoscope are almost sitting on top of each other and affecting each other. So this is almost like an underwater birth. There is something about it that is very difficult to see. It's a little bit uh, hard to control in Virgo to find which will detail the graph of detail that you would hope for is not really there. And this takes us back to the question of people who were born on the end of one sign bracket or the beginning of another one, who, because of the limitations of the newspaper or the magazine, are not checking and cannot check where the sun actually was. So we have this massive confusion out there about, am I this sign or that sign? Maybe I'm born on the cusp. There is actually, of course, no such thing as a cusp. But in addition to that level of distortion that we get from Neptune, we also have a more common distortion, which is that many very big-name astrologers have been using ghost writers for years or employing writers who work without any recognition for the much larger name. So it's also the case that over the years you may have also been reading the work of a celebrity astrologer when in actual fact it was the work of the assistant. Hmm. <laughs> right. And, so, and Jessica, do you think that the cosmos could support sun sign astrology um, with any upcoming transit? Yeah, I think the um, one of the most fundamental things that we're going to see this year is the entry of Jupiter into Virgo and also the entry of Saturn into Sagittarius. Saturn was there very briefly um, at the end of 2014 and at the beginning of 2015, but the cycle proper really begins very soon. So in the last half of 2015, first half of 2016, we're going to be living with these two brand new cycles. If you look at uh, Jupiter and Virgo just in isolation, what we're going to see is a tremendous expansion and improvement in public health. We are going to see tremendous discoveries made which cure some conditions which are currently thought to be incurable and we are going to see tremendous leaps and bounds with medical science. Virgo is the sign which has always ruled the body. But all of that comes from somewhere. It doesn't just drop on us from above. And it really comes from all those people who were born with Uranus and or Pluto in Virgo who are about to experience Jupiter conjuncting that position in their horoscope. So this is the generation who are now in management or upper management in the medical profession, in medical science, in alternative health and healing. And it's this generation who are going to pull through and bring through all these new discoveries, which, of course, are going to benefit all the generations also born with Virgo factors in their chart. So on the most basic level, you're going to see evidence of that almost as soon as September gets underway because we have a stellium in Virgo developing in September 2015, which will usher it in. And at the same time, we're going to see something that's been concerning me for about a year now, which is uh, the question of airline security and safety and the way that we're going to be flying 
in 2016 and 2017 because Sagittarius rules airlines and flights and international travel. Saturn, as we discussed, is the planet which slows everything down and creates difficulty. So what was hinted at, maybe just with two or three very, very alarming incidents over the last 12 months, may become the norm by the time we get to 2016, 2017. Hmm. It also brings to mind the air traffic control problems that drones and these new backpacks that allow people to go, it's over a thousand feet into the air. They're extremely expensive right now, but air traffic control and its management, um, you don't have to be an expert in air traffic control to understand that there are going to be problems in the air. Mm, mm, (laughs) That's interesting. I I haven't heard anybody mention drones before. That's fascinating to me. I think you're absolutely right. And that drones and the question of air traffic control and who or what is in control of the cockpit on an aeroplane are all going to be major Saturn and Sagittarius issues. And because the cycle hasn't really started, this hasn't really started. I'm wondering, Jessica, you mentioned the Pluto and Virgo generation and with this very prominent uh, Virgo energy in the the horoscope for sun sign astrology, I'm wondering if as Jupiter moves into Virgo that in a way it could uh, bless that generation um, and hopefully bless uh, that generation being able to promote more in in the area of sun sign uh, astrology. Uh, I know that our last election here in the United States was very interesting because we had uh, candidates that represented three different uh, ver- uh, three different Pluto generations, and Barack Obama is the first representative we've had from this Pluto and Virgo generation. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what this next, next cycle brings for us and brings for sun sign astrology. Yes, it will. I've been uh, reading that whenever I'm in, in New York. I read all the papers as much as I can to catch up with what's happening in astrology as well as, well as on, on the world stage. And I think all the obstacles that you've seen, particularly for the president, in getting affordable health care uh, accepted wide, widespread will disappear because one of the things that Jupiter does is it just melts away the obstacles. And particularly in the president's birth chart as well, there's just so much activity based around the sign of Virgo. You can almost say that he was born to do this. But if there's one thing that he achieves in his presidency, it will be what they call Obamacare. Um, but it's, it obviously changes always difficult for people. But this generation born with Uranus and or Pluto in Virgo want it. They want the revolution. And it's happening actually worldwide with different healthcare systems in each country. So in England, where I also spend a lot of the year, uh, we're going to see a major reform or overhaul of what they call the NHS, which is similar. But this 60s-born generation are pursuing it, and they're pursuing it through the people that they vote for. Mm. Jessica, our last show with Maurice Fernandez, we talked about career indicators in the chart. Is there anything in your chart that specifies that you'd be more interested in sun sign astrology versus any other type? That's a good question. Um, I was born with a conjunction of the asteroid Fortuna to the sun. Funny that you should mention the sun. It's exact. I was born with the sun at 2 Leo and Fortuna at 2 Leo. Fortuna is worth 
investigating, if you're not aware of her, in your horoscope, she was, in mythology, the daughter of Jupiter. And as an asteroid, she symbolizes the Wheel of Fortune, which some of your listeners may know from the tarot as well. And it's that spinning wheel of destiny, uh, which sends you up and down, and then up and down again, which is very similar to the way that a horoscope functions. So for me, I've been born on the 25th of July, with this exact conjunction between these two, almost doomed me to become a sun sign astrologer. <laughs> I love astrology. This is one of the reasons <laughs> I love astrology. Our stories are told before we are here. Oh, my God, yeah. that's fabulous. And I'm also yeah. looking at the serendipity, too, Jessica, of, again, I have the, the horoscope for the birth of sun sign astrology in front of me, and it has two degrees Leo on the cusp of the 12th house. And so mm-hmm. here you're telling us that your sun and Fortuna are at that same degree, <laughs> and it's almost as if you are working that hidden Neptunian 12th house for us and uh, bringing sun sign astrology out of this murky confusion into the outer world so it can um, it can shine more brightly. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. It's a lovely, lovely reading of that. Um, it's very insightful. I would hope that I'm helping. Um, there is, a, I guess, an enormous worldwide generation of astrologers who are now working online who have the freedom to be able to give the public more information about what they're reading. And so I think collectively... Um, we are helping to shine a light into that and maybe clear up some of this confusion that comes from Neptune. Mm. Jessica, you've done so much in your career. Is there something that you haven't touched yet that you're looking forward to getting involved in? I think when I'm uh, over the sort of publishing stage of astrology, because I have um, a couple more books to publish, I would like to return to the historical side of it and start travelling the world a little bit more to see where it comes from, um, back to its ancient birthplace, and have a look at that. But I'd also be very interested later in my career of pursuing mediumship because one of the things that's been happening to me as I've been working as an astrologer over the last 20 years is that I've developed a connection with the spirit world. So I don't practice this professionally, but I think in the next stage of my career, I would certainly like to pursue that connection with the spirit world communicating that and bringing it through. What a dynamic combination that is. <laughs> yes, it's fascinating. I do think that a lot of astrologers are open to spirit and are receiving information from spirit, whether they know it or not. Sometimes uh, the telepathy that we have with the spirit world is so subtle, it can almost feel as if it's, it's us thinking it or coming up with it when actually it's our guides or our helpers or people in spirit doing it. So I actually think there's a level of mediumship already happening with so many people in astrology. But to actually consciously channel astrologers in particular who've passed would be fascinating for me. The, yes. uh, like opening a book that had never been published would be absolutely intriguing. Wow. <laughs> well, double mm. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, if you had any recommendations for our listeners, if they were interested in looking into sun sign astrology uh, more closely or if they wanted to get started with it, besides your website, are there any resources out there that you can direct them? Sure. Um, I have uh, two homes and I spend a lot of time traveling. So I have the same books in both homes. Any book that's worth it to me, I have two copies of. 
and I have actually three copies of Debbie Kenton Smith's book, Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook, which I think is just wonderful. And I'm, it's, I have one copy that's almost in pieces, you know. I also strongly recommend all the books by Michael Luton, who is the only astrologer I know who has an office on Fifth Avenue in New York. Um, he's a brilliant astrologer and a very good place to start is with, with any of his books, really. But he had one book in particular called Sunshines. But you could also go to um, some of the very good websites that are out there and have a look at what's being uh, generated in terms of real-life research by astrologers like Susan Miller, who is day-by-day, month-by-month, actually showing you how it's done and how it's working I think Susan's work is outstanding. It's one of the reasons that so many people flock into what we do. Well, thank you very much, Jessica. And this brings us to the end of our show today. Uh, Many, many thanks to Jessica Adams for joining us and talking with us today about sun sign astrology. You can find out more about Jessica at her website, jessicaadams.com. And please join us next week when we discuss another Leo topic on our show titled Leadership, Where Are the Women? with guest Tiffany Lennon, author of a national study on women's leadership across 14 sectors in the United States. And thanks to you listeners for joining us today on Astrology, the Theory of Everything. You can find us on Facebook at Astro Talk Radio. And if you find our shows compelling, please like us. You can link up with Janie and me on LinkedIn, and we can continue our conversation on Twitter with hashtag AstroTalkRadio. And once again, if you have any questions or comments about our show today, please email us at AstroTalkRadio at iCloud.com. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Please join Janie McCarthy and Mary Jo Weavers again next week for another edition of Astrology, the Theory of Everything. We're live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. May the stars be with you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.